Welcome to episode 149 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, man. JP, uh, happy 2020 to you. I had a I had a nice holiday. How was yours, sir? It was good. It was it was the first one for for Maddie and I as a married couple, and it was, it was really nice. And we had a relaxing Christmas, relaxing New Year, and you know, time to kick it into 2020. And we got a lot to talk about today. We have. Pardon my language, folks. A shitload to talk about today. <laughs> yes, we do. And we're gonna take- get we're gonna get a little a uh, little vulgar on this one. This like, don't one- worry. Look, look, we won't say anything on here. Your public school children haven't heard twenty times already this year. Okay, like, it, and I mean twenty twenty. I don't mean like the school year. I mean like since January one. So it's okay. It's okay. And to, to help us filter through all of this, well, we have a third man in the booth tonight. Former Oklahoma State Woo-hoo. pitcher, Mets, Mets pitching prospect, Trey Cobb. Trey, how's it going, man? It's been a long time since you've been on here, but we're glad to have you here. Yeah, it's going good. I've missed doing podcasts, radio stuff. So I, I've finally, things finally slowed down for me a little bit. So I had to send out a text to you. and It's like, please, ta- please have me on. I got to talk <laughs> to sports or something. I, I've just been making goo goo and gaga sounds for the last three months. So <laughs> I got to talk sports with somebody. So I'm glad it's you guys. Yeah, if you didn't know, Trey and his wife had twin girls back in, was it November or October? October. Back in yeah, October. October. How are they doing, man? They're doing great. They're both home now. They're in the hospital for 45 days after, the, after they were born, so that kind of sucked. But uh, they're home now, and everything's going really good. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of waiting on the, the meds to tell me to pack up and go down to Florida and finish up my Tommy John rehab, and that's going to be tough to be away from them, but you know, some sacrifices you got to make to chase the dream. So when are you getting on a mound again? Is that going to be pretty soon? Yeah, they called me yesterday and they said that uh, Saturday, maybe I'll get a little slope action. Let's go. So Maybe like ha- maybe halfway up the mound to test out the old elbow and see how she's feeling. But man, I'm so tired of playing catch. Played catch four days a week for the last nine months. Going insane right now. So one last question, we'll get into what are the main topics of the day, but your wife is an OU graduate, and obviously you graduated from Oklahoma State. How is it going trying to get the girls to wear orange all the time, if that is even possible? Well, you know, man, when they were born, good luck for the Pokes. I mean, we go, the, the, they get, they're they born, we go to Iowa State, and when OU goes to Kansas State and loses, I'm like, oh my gosh, these girls are the best things ever. OSU just starts rolling right I mean we we would knock off all a bunch of wins in a row TCU West Virginia uh no big deal you know and OU struggling with Iowa State they're struggling with TCU I'm like wow these girls are this is it you know this is they're they're the they're everybody has always had you know a lucky chair a lucky spot in the living room for Oklahoma State sports and it's never worked but these girls are it and the luck ran out for Bedlam. So that was we dressed one in orange and one in red. I think we got to switch it next time, and I think we'll get it right then. Perfect. I mean, you can luck can only carry you so far when you lose Spencer. Like you know, like let's, it's it's okay. It is what it is. Like I, I think the luck is still there if they're healthy. Right, and we talked ourselves into you know for some reason before the game starts, you start seeing people. Like, oh, we're gonna win. What, what, what in the world have, have people watched to make us think 
that we were just going to roll out there with a backup quarterback. And given, you know, not like a typical backup quarterback in the country, you know, an upper echelon backup quarterback and just roll OU and Oklahoma and Stillwater, which we, you know, have trouble doing with our best teams. So I don't know where the false sense of confidence came from from everyone, but it it led to another letdown. It's amazing the things that people can convince themselves of on a regular basis. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) It just... I don't know why. Yeah, I I I'd settled in for Bedlam thinking maybe there's a chance, and then I watched that first drive, and what little hope I had was just ripped away. And I went, well, let's just settle in for this one. And I mean, it is we we've seen what we've seen year in year out. It it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I know you you guys got a lot planned for today to talk about. I'm sure, but I've got something that's been on my mind for a while. So all the Gundy talk, right? I know that you know. Most people that understand where Oklahoma State is as a program don't want Gundy to go anywhere. And, you know, there's certain moments like after the Baylor game where I'm, you know, the most pro Gundy guy there is after the Baylor game. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? We need to, you know, something needs to happen. And then, oh, wait, Baylor's a top 10 team in the country. Oh, okay, You know, that's why we lost to them. And I'm just like, what's the expectation every year? For Oklahoma State fans, because I mean, you know, everybody puts out a poll before the season starts. What do you think we'll have? Seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. Everybody votes for eight wins. Everybody votes for eight to nine wins, right? But then when we don't win 12 games, everybody wants to set the place on fire. When before the season started, everybody's like, yeah, we'll probably win eight games. But then an event like, oh, we beat Tulsa by 20. So, oh my gosh, we're rolling. We're not going to lose. I just, I don't get it. And it's just, Wash, rinse, repeat every single season, and yeah, I just don't know. What do you What do you guys think about that? Have you guys well, you, Have you guys you know, talked about that on the podcast and stuff? You know, the most successful coaches in football coach from a couch. Yes, definitely. They're never wrong. Right. Like, there's no more success. They They are undefeated coaching from a couch. Look, we all get there and, and nitpick and, and can watch the game and go, I can't believe they did that. And, you know, there's times where I, you kind of, there are decisions that are very puzzling, but look, we said it was going to be an eight win season. Like you want to, I understand the Texas tech law. And I still thought the Baylor game was good until that fourth quarter when the offense just fell apart. Like if, if you can't look back on this season and see a team that, and specifically a quarterback that progressed all the way until he got hurt and see a defense that continued to come along. Like I understand the end of the season, the ends of seasons going 0-2, losing Bedlam and losing a bowl game you think you should have won is really sucks. Like it sucks so much. Like I don't think there's been a – you go back to 2014. 2014 is one of the worst seasons. People are just like, oh, yeah, 2014. Because you beat – you won Bedlam and then knocked off Washington because it was this great fun game. And then you look back at all the 10-win seasons and it was like, ah, oh, this is – Gundy's lost it. It's terrible. And you're like, <laughs> what, three ga- 10 games three years in a row for the first time in school history and you all think Gundy is a bum. Like it – Never, everyone can't win. I just, I, I get it. There, you can want more from the program than than you're getting. I understand that. As every fan base, you want to, you want more, and you want your team to be better, and you want your team to be the best, and that's fine. There's also some coach speak to that, and not understanding reality of like, I think this team did a really good job this year in a year we thought would win eight games, 
found a way to win eight games when I'm not even sure they were an eight-win team. Look at how many close yeah. games they won and how much progress they showed. Like, take the Oregon State game out. Okay, it's Oregon State. That defense, there's a team. Oregon State, they lost their first two games. They lost to Hawaii, and they almost made it to a bowl game. Like, teams get better, and this team did. And it's a team that's returning so much next year. If you're all you're doing is complaining about last year and not looking toward 2020 with some excitement, Chuba or no, like, okay, man. Like you go ahead and just live in that misery. Your your fandom must suck. Like you must just be a miserable fan. Like it it's just frustrating. Like, can we enjoy why does it feel like if you can't win the national championship or you're not Minnesota where you've sucked for so long and then you have a good season, you're not allowed to celebrate any sort of success as a team because you're not in a playoff. Like, it's just, it's so frustrating to see that and go like, why do you guys even watch? Like, where do you take any joy from this whatsoever? Because for some people, the way they are on social media and stuff, it really feels like they just hate life in general. Man, yeah. Yes, definitely. It's one of those things that I think throughout the season when Oklahoma State was playing bad or they would lose, like in the moment, it's awful. And then you think, you know, you have the kind of those overreactionary thoughts that some people do, and I, myself included, I put out some really, really shitty tweets during the season watching the games. But as the season rolls on, I feel like I'm a lot more rational, and especially the day after the game, because I know Philip and I did a couple immediate reaction pods, and I'm really glad we didn't as the season went on, because it would have been some terrible, terrible radio. Or it would have been great, depending on your, your worldview, <laughs> I guess. Um, but I, like I said, Phil, yeah. Philip and I both said this team would win eight games, and they did. Uh, do I think they should have won the bowl game and got to nine? Sure. But they, mm-hmm. but this was a team that you had a ton of injuries. You had to your best players, you know, and to, it, I wonder what this team would have done and what it, it would have looked like if Spencer had never gotten hurt. Um, I still think they win eight, nine games, but I think we feel, I think people would feel way better going into 2020 and as the season rolled on rather than playing with Drew Brown and no shot at Drew Brown whatsoever. I just feel like people would be even more optimistic and you feel even better going into 2020 if we saw what Spencer at full strength was going to do as the season progressed, right? So I think there's a lot of room for optimism. I'm excited about 2020, especially with Tylen Wallace coming back. Um, you know, speculation about Chuba, but I don't think any of that, I don't think that's going to happen. But you're returning nearly all everyone on defense, barring any ridiculous you know kind of transfers out of nowhere or people leaving early that we don't expect you're returning a lot of your offensive talent like this is a team that while this season was what we expected although underwhelming at times it felt like this is about where we thought this team would be and they're going to be even better next season yeah yeah like the- i told myself after 2018 i said you know 2018 we go into it and was it Rudolph? No, 2017. So 2017, before the season, hyped up to the moon, right? And, and it's like, oh, well, this skill position and this skill position and this skill position. And then the season started, and like, oh, no, our offensive line got hurt, and we had zero depth. We can't win games. And so I told myself, I'm never going to expect more than, you know, eight or nine wins until we have the Hogs in the line to do it and i think we do next year and that's that's the biggest difference i think is you know we're not just we don't just have good offensive linemen and you know sills coming in is going to really help but we've got we have we have legitimate depth maybe 
at the on the offensive line. I don't know the last time we actually had people on the bench that played meaningful snaps in the season before the season that's currently going on. And defensive line, you return everybody. I mean, I'm more excited about you know up front than I am anywhere else, and that's that's a big change from for us in this decade, I think. So you're excited about that. I look at the defense and say, I posted my predictions article for this year. I think OSU is the top three defense in the Big 12 this season. Like, I absolutely do. You look at, I think Oklahoma State will have the best linebacking core in the Big 12. I think your safeties are solid. I think your defensive line is good and is just going to get better because I mean, Trace Ford is going to be a sophomore. And if Colin Clay is able to play, upgrade on the other end over at worst your backup no shot to the guys on the roster your one concern is corner it's a big concern but that's your one area of weakness i think oklahoma state's defense especially if they can figure out the corner on uh, and knowing that jim Knowles is in year three and you've got some of these guys that have been starting and playing for in their third years now i think osu's defense is going to be i think it uh, i'm trying to figure out now yeah, screw it I think we're talking about like 2013 where this team wins because the defense keeps them in games all season long. And your Thailand's back. Spencer's healthy. You, you give a guy who can plug and play Marcus keys and you shouldn't see a drop off from him. I don't know. I don't disagree with you on the offensive line. I don't know if we're talking about 2000, like nine, 10, 11 era offensive line again, but I do think it should continue to get better Charlie Dickey's in his second year. You've got a, a. I just 2020 is setting up for a big year. I don't love the schedule for OSU. It scares the crap out of me just the way it's stacked up. I hate getting an off week or an idle week in week four. Like that's that's nine straight games. Ugh, gross. But man, OSU hasn't been very lucky the last few seasons. And you could argue they were a little bit in their their wins there against like Iowa State and TCU. Oklahoma State's luck factor has not been the best the last couple of years. It's about time it flipped on. And if you get lucky, a la, and this isn't a shot at Baylor because Baylor is really good this year. All luck is just when preparation meets timing. But I think the preparation and everything is there for OSU that that they can. Man, I just. I'm not picking more than nine wins, but if Juba comes back, be still my beating heart. I'm going to have a hard time not just lighting <laughs> up the hype train and, and throwing the colon and having that thing screaming all of the end of back to the story three. Good Lord. Yeah. If, if Chuba comes back, like right now I'm thinking eight, nine wins, like I'm going to have to call myself all off season, not thinking 10 plus. And the thing I is, will, I if know Chuba comes back. I will predict 10 wins guaranteed. I will never pick OSU to win Bedlam ever. I will never do it again. I'm not stupid. It's not going to happen. Unless OU just goes into a dumpster fire mode, like, and that ain't happening anytime soon. No. Um, but if Chuba comes back, I will call 10 wins right away. Barring, like, some wild wave of grad transfers across the defense, it just wipes it out, and I don't think that's happening. So if Chuba decides to come back, I will call 10 wins immediately. All I want is a Big 12 championship appearance. You know, I just want one more weekend of hope. You know, just give us OU twice. 
think. Why would why? 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 Do you hate it's yourself? A fun, man? It's a fun. You hate yourself. It's a fun day for me. It's a fun day for me and my wife. Okay. We, you know, okay. make a trip okay. down to Dallas. Take the girls. They'll be a year old. We'll get to experience the game a little bit, and you know, hey, OU at a neutral site. I don't know, but young quarterback. I don't know. You know, I'm not gonna say we're gonna win. Our best chance to win the Big 12 is to lose in Norman, run the table elsewhere, and beat Texas or Baylor or somebody else in the Big 12 title game. That would be the only way Oklahoma State, I think, would ever get the playoff. But we're not talking about the playoff. We're just talking oh. about get to the Big 12 title game. <laughs> That's the goal. Get to the title game. I don't want to dwell too much on the Chuba rumors because I just I don't believe it, but what percent chance you guys put of him coming back? Like... 30%? Yeah, I'm thinking like 20 or 25%. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I just don't... You know, I feel like... I feel like Gundy is really good at, you know, getting in his ear and talking to him and, you know... And I, I had that, you know, same type of decision when I was at Oklahoma State. You know, come back for your senior year and baseball is drastic, you know? It's like, come back for your senior year and you're going to get paid absolutely nothing. Or you can go now and get, you know, I mean, it's not money, but a little bit of money. And, you know, Josh, I think Josh and Gundy are on the same wavelength of having, just being able to put something in the guy's ears a little bit where that doesn't feel like they're telling you to come back or forcing you to, but you leave the room and the meeting and you're going, man, I want to be here again. And, but I mean, come on, how can you, you're not going to have a better year. I I mean, there's no way your draft stock's never going to be higher than it is right now. I feel like if you're him, you and your goal is you know make a lot of money and play in the nfl as long as you can then you go if your goal is i love the game of football we're okay money wise i'll do this and this is where i want to be and i'll get my you know degree and i'll play in the nfl as long as i can then you know go for it but man if you're you know the typical student athlete of get me out of here give me some money get me on the highest level then there's no reason to come back i i do think chuba is a different cat i like, I think he wants to make money for his family. Like, I, I do think that is a legitimate thing. And that is the thing. When it when it's about making money for your family, I think that's always going to come first. And it's why I've always thought he's gone. Like, I predicted before the season, like, he hits 1,500 yards, it's enough, he's gone. Like, I think he he wants to go. I don't think it's just about, I got to get I gotta get paid, dollar bills and all that BS nonsense. I think he's a guy who wants to make money for his family. Um but I also think he's a different cat. And if his family were to come to him and go, dude, we're fine. Like, if you want to play another season, go play another season. We're talking about a guy that OSU is lucky to get because he didn't understand the recruiting process well enough to understand that he could have gone to other visits and maybe gone to a different school than Oklahoma State. But he also, I think he liked So that's what he's stuck with. I, he's the kind of guy that I think if someone was going to go back and play another year when they didn't have to, he seems like the kind of guy. And let's be honest, how many times has Gundy convinced guys to come back for another season? Yeah. Like, how how many times that happened? You're just like, okay. Like, Blackman came back in 2011. He didn't have to. Washington and and Rudolph Ball both come back in 2017. Like, they didn't need to do that. Like, how many times has Gundy – first off, how many times has Gundy been able to convince these wide receivers to come back for one more year? Yeah. Which – Thailand, you and I get it. We could talk about that in a minute. I, I think I, I think I know why. Like, well, I, I get why he came back. It makes too much sense. Um, but I, it's not like it's a deep running back group in this class. It's not a strength of this class. I don't, I don't know that him coming back 
can improve his draft stock. It might. Um, I still think he's a late second, third round guy. And I don't, you know, I think he's going to kill in the NFL if he gets on a good team. I mean, just I don't mean he has to go play for the Chiefs, but I mean, if he gets on a decent team with a decent offense, he's going to have a Kareem Hunt-like rookie season of just like, oh, how we didn't know that guy was so good. Oh, no shit. But <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel, I felt like Tylen was coming back. I don't feel like Chuba is. I know Gundy really thinks he's going to. And I think that's what their main focus on is right now is trying to get him to come back for another season. I just, I don't know that he is, man. I don't. I just want to know whether the team is trying to tell us something on Twitter or they're just trolling us and trying to campaign. I, I don't they know. They are trolling all of you idiots. They <laughs> all are just sitting there in a room like a bunch of little girls cackling and it cracks my ass up and bravo have fun. you know what they're all just talking about Eamon. Eamon's right now just like joke like la- he's laughing the hardest like there's more than one canadian on this team you fools it's ogbongamiga <laughs> also why do people have such a hard time saying ogbongamiga it's not that hard a name to say there are far more difficult names to say than ogbongamiga done yeah that's my rant <laughs> Okay, Philip. Yeah, you guys got to get some more football stuff because I've got all this basketball stuff planned for later on. So we've right. got to work through this football stuff and get to the most important sport on campus. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk recruit. Let's talk a couple things. Do we need to talk? Thailand coming back makes sense. Let's just say that. I, th- I think it does. Yeah, it's his the 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 time of his ACL injury or the time he is back and healthy is going to be after all the NFL workouts, like. It's a loaded, loaded wide receiver class. And if you look at the ESPN announcement of Tylen Wallace, considered by McShay or whatever to be one of the top 20 wide receiver prospects, top 20, that's not top 15, not top 10. That's top 20. In a class where everybody loves the wide receivers and they're going to get drafted, that's at best third round, fourth round. Uh, Maybe that's the best he's going to get, but it, Come on. Like, there are so many wide receivers coming out this year. So many good ones. He actually, I think him coming back, yes, he could get injured again in a record's career. I understand that. But I also think him coming back will improve his draft stock just because he'll have another year to show off what he can do. He can he can work on the things that he hasn't had as, that NFL scouts say, these are the things that we need to see from you. He can work on those things. And I think just due to the fact that the wide receiver class won't be nearly as deep next year, he will go better. He will go higher because of that. I think this was a, unless you just, the concern was whether or not his brother Trayson basically having to quit football would cause him to decide to go ahead and go pro. Um, but everything else screamed, I think you're going to get drafted higher if you come back just because there won't be as many talented wide receivers coming out that they all think are so much better than you. Trade yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited that he that he's coming back for sure. Because I mean, especially for him, because you know, you see that. Oh, well, he needs to go. Because what if he gets hurt? Well, what if he goes and he gets hurt? <laughs> you know, you know, if he goes and he's, you know, Thailand before pre ACL is like you said, you know, a third, fourth rounder. You know, post ACL, it's. I mean, you might be. You're probably looking at an undrafted free agent type guy, and, and man then you put yourself in the position of, well, now I'm gone. And then I got hurt in a training camp somewhere. What do I do now? You know, he's, you know, he's better off. And you know, the, what if he gets hurt argument, 
is, you know, people use it in every single sport, man. Well, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. It just happens. You know, it's nice if he can, and if you're a first rounder and you're going to get just absolute crazy money, then yeah, I understand the argument, but, um, you know, for him, why not come back? Just absolutely have a monster year. And then he'll be one of those guys that gets drafted and they look at it in 10 years and be like, man, I can't believe we got Tylen Wallace in the fifth round of the draft, you know? And, <laughs> you know, I think that that's going to be his, I think that's going to be his career in the NFL. Cause you know, once you get to that level, you're not getting babysat in college. You get babysat, man. That's, you know, you have to be here at this time. And if you're not here at this time, someone goes and knocks on your door and they wake you up for your workouts. And yeah, man, you were late. You missed this workout. You got to run. And the NFL, they just say, yeah, see ya. <laughs> you know, and in the wide receiver class, and you know in the nfl man that's so common you see guys getting there's, there's, i'm sure there's some guy on the on the on a team this year that's played on six different nfl teams this season or been on six different practice squads and every time it's all oh, he's got this crazy talent but he just can't figure it out he can't get to a meeting he can't get to practice he can't get in the weight room and he's got that you know he's got that crazy work ethic that keeps you in the league and that gets you liked by coaching staff so i think that he's going to be he's going to Tear it up. He's going to stay healthy and he's going to get drafted in the fifth or sixth round. And I think he's going to make some Pro Bowls and make, you know, a scout a lot of money. Yeah. No, I agree. So let, let's go to All this. Right, last, so we got one more thing to talk about here. Yeah. This coaching stuff, the, the tw- <laughs> it, it started out with, huh, this is interesting. And then just turned into a, a pardon me, just a cluster f- all over Twitter. Like, oh, okay. The kids may not know that one. From public school. Good grief, they, they gotta know how to. Yeah, it did. It, like, I don't know what other way to describe it. Like, bottom line, it seems as though Casey Dunn is coming back, and he's not going to UNLV like we all thought. And Philip and I talked about it in the last episode. Now we don't know what he's coming back to do. Like, if it's a promotion, if he he just got convinced to come back and be a wide receiver and be an associate head coach again. We don't know what this means for Sean Gleason. And then people want to try and throw Todd Monken in here. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> can any can either of you guys make any sense of what's going on? Or is this just kind of a wait and see what happens? I've I've got so let's let's start with this. Um parse through all the BS fan Oklahoma State accounts who act like they all have insider info because their roommate's girlfriend's best friend happens to know the walk-on long snapper who obviously is all the great juicy details but what's happening on campus especially in the coaching offices and all those decisions let's kind of narrow down what we have a pretty good idea of Oklahoma State accounts and guys at the Oklahoma and Tulsa world who cover Oklahoma State have said that Casey Dunn that, that, that that's what they're hearing is that Casey Dunn has come back. UNLV accounts are stating that Casey Dunn is not coming to be the offensive coordinator anymore. I think this is probably accurate. From there, it's all a mess because the only other information we have is that there are schools, Power 5 schools, who are coming after Sean Gleason. Rutgers is the name we've heard the most. Apparently there's some more schools up in the Northeast, Power 5 schools, who are targeting Sean Gleason to come be an OC. Here's what I think. The Monken stuff is BS. The first report about it, and this is not a shot at PFB in any way, but it was on the PFB Plus site, and it was like, Gundy and Holder have gone to the powers that be, and they can't get the money they need, so they're offering a lowball offer to Monken, who's also considering the Redskins. Look, folks, 
when you see a rumor that's got too many details, it's like when a child's lie gets so overly complicated because they think they have to give a lot of information to make you believe the lie. That's the situation right now. The Monka stuff doesn't I don't I don't buy it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. I, I don't get it. Don't tell me, well, it could be head coach and waiting stuff. You don't know that, so shut up. It could be here's the deal. Casey Dunn is probably coming back. If he isn't his position, whether that's full on OC or what I bet is co-OC, continuing to coach wide receivers, that would be my guess. Nice pay raise, associate head coach, co-offensive coordinator, and wide receiver coach. That means you're asking Gleason to become co-OC and quarterback coach. And if you're Gleason, is that a job? You came in to be the offensive coordinator, and now you're kind of getting a downgrade. My guess is they're trying to give him enough money to stick around. Um, he's seriously considering the other offers. Rutgers may suck, but Rutgers has Big Ten money, and they can throw money at an offensive coordinator if they want to. Like, if they wanted to go pay an offensive coordinator a million dollars, they can afford to do it. They have the Big Ten money to do so. So my bet is that Casey Dunn is going to come be co-OC. I don't have confirmation. I don't talk to his daughter or someone else around the team, or I haven't texted his father, so like some other Twitter account was saying, and I was just like, shut the up. You don't stop. The question is, after that, you're going to have to bring somebody else in to be quarterback's coach and probably co-OC. Does that sound like something that Todd Monken, who left a Power 5 head coaching job to go be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, just spent a shitty year with the Browns being an offensive coordinator, is apparently up for the the Redskins offensive coordinator job. Do you think that Todd Monken's like, you know what, I could be the OC in the NFL again, but I'm going to go be a co-OC and quarterback coach which is a step down for me back in college and probably make less money than I did in the NFL. Does that make sense to anybody? Right. You guys are allowed less to Less money and, oh, yeah, I don't want to be home. I, I want to go recruit. I want to go watch crappy high school football games. and I want to go fly around the country and go to high school kids' living rooms and beg them to come play for me instead of being in the NFL where I get to say, yes, yes, no, don't want that guy. Yes, I want this guy and build my offense exactly how I want to. Yeah, that that that's that's the part of it that doesn't make sense to me. Is you know, you, you lose. You, it's a probably a downgrade in pay unless Gundy says here's half my salary, and then mm-hmm. you it, the time away. I mean, the off season in the NFL, it's it's an off season. You know, yeah, you go to the office and you you work on your new schemes and you look at film, but but you go home in the off season in college football. Man, I mean, like you're if you're going home every day and you're just hanging out with your family you're you're losing and they, they, they can't afford to do that so i'm like man why would you leave the nfl ever if you if you don't have to that doesn't make sense to me either yeah i just i'm not saying he's not coming but i just the the bonk and stuff just always feels like fan fiction pipe dream stuff like i think he likes osu I don't think there's a lot of program. I think he would seriously consider Oklahoma State if he was going to come back to college. But the guy left a head coaching job in the group of five that it felt like he was one more year away from getting a power five job so he could go be the OC in the NFL because some guys just like the NFL better. Like I, I've always said Todd Monken is one of the first calls I'm making when Gundy retires. But my my one big hesitation with him is always going to be, are you going to be here for a while? Or are you going to come in for three years and decide you – really did like the NFL better and leave. Like that's my one big thing with him. I don't know why he decided to go to the NFL as opposed to staying in college. My guess is he just liked the NFL better because there is an off season. It's not recruiting. You're actually, it's, it's 
the comparison I've heard is like NFL coaching is like 80% coaching, 20% bullshit. College is like 40% coaching, 60% bullshit. If you don't want to deal with all that, why would you come back even if you really like coaching with Gundy and really like Oklahoma State? Like I just I, – I don't buy the mock and stuff. I, I never do. I could buy maybe him coming back and being full-on OC, but I don't see co-OC with, with Casey Dunn. And yeah. on that note, people aren't going to like this. Are we sure that Casey Dunn's going to be a good OC? I'm not saying he's not, but why are we all so just hyped for him to come be OC? I'm, I'm going to be glad if he's back, and I hope it's going to work, but there's no guarantee he's going to be a good offensive coordinator. No, and we also have to remember who's really calling the plays, right? Like, the OC at Oklahoma State right now is suggesting plays and Mike Gundy's calling them. Like, so let's just call it what it is. Like, how do we know? My, like, we, we may never know if Sean Gleason or Casey Dunn are actually good offensive coordinators unless they actually get to call the plays into the quarterback and not have to relay it through a middleman that's the head coach. Like, we, we really will have no idea unless Gundy relinquishes any control here. So I, no, I don't know what's going on. I don't buy that Gundy calls the offense stuff. I, I do think he has times where he makes decisions on offensive calls, but I don't think he's running the offense and Gleason's just a figurehead. Like, I do think it's Gleason's offense. But, and I do think if Gleason's back next year, he's going to get more say than he did in year one. I think he will too, if that's the case. But I don't buy the whole like it's just Gundy does it all, and it's like that's just such that's just fan BS. The, the play didn't work. It's obviously Gundy. Yes, Gundy's a moron and doesn't know how to coach offense. Okay, yeah, he's not Les Miles, folks. Okay, he's not trying to be out there running the same old crap he did at LSU that doesn't work anymore. You want to know a guy who's still trying to run his offense? When Kansas's offense is good this, last year, it's because Brett Dearman was doing it. When it was sucking, you could tell the difference in the style of offense. There was Brett Dearman's offense, and there was Les Miles' offense. Oklahoma State has one offense. They bring other guys in to run that offense and bring their tweaks and changes and stuff. You saw Gleason's fingerprints on the offense this season. It wasn't Gundy just doing it. So, I don't. I, any head coach is going to be involved in the in the play calling and the decision making throughout a game. That's part of the job of being the head coach. But the idea that Gundy's just like running the offense, I I don't, I never buy that crap. Either you guys have any final thoughts on all the the football things that we talked about that pretty much just sounds like a jumbled mess, but hopefully people enjoy it. We gotta talk recruiting. We gotta we gotta uh, have yeah, we gotta hit I've this got one. a little I got a little bit to get, to get off. Okay, first off, we need to reevaluate the way we talk about recruiting classes. I know. OSU signed 18 guys, and their class is ranked 40th nationally and 5th in the Big 12, and Gundy doesn't care about recruiting, and he's not really trying, and if you just try harder, they'd land five stars, and blah, 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 whatever BS nonsense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to beef with Twitter people who say stupid-ass shit that piss me off, um, and you're ignorant because he's just not recruiting hard enough. Yeah, because that's what makes an 18-year-old do what you want, how hard you're recruiting. There's nothing to do with athletic budget. But if if Oklahoma State's going to get better at quote unquote recruiting, we're going to have to better evaluate different things. Colin Clay, transfer from Arkansas. Don't know if he'll play this year or not. Depends on if he gets a waiver. Let's look at him. He's now part of this class, right? If you take Colin Clay's rating last year, according to twenty four seven, because that's what we like to use, four star prospect, defensive end out of Putnam, or yeah, Putnam. Yeah, it was Putnam City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Colin Clay would be the second highest rated player in this class and would bump it up from 40th to 35th nationally and 5th to 4th in the Big 12. And it's like, well, that's not that much better. It's 35th. 
That guy counts in this class. You land an offensive lineman who's got two years of eligibility left and is immediately going to be able to plug in and take over Marcus Key's spot. How do you grade him? Because an immediate plug-and-play player is like getting a five-star. Okay, That's a guy who's going to start for you. How do you how do you grade the class by adding a guy like that? Because you need to. You got Tylen Wallace to stick around. That just took away one of the open scholarships that you have for this class. Uh, do you, how do you add that to the recruiting class? Because that does count toward the recruiting class. Like it does, because he's you are currently at 66 players who are returning, barring other transfers. Um, you can only have 85 max on the roster, scholarship players. You have 20 signed, 18 out of high school, two transfers. They put you at 86. You're over the scholarship limit. So get ready for more guys to transfer and leave. It's going to happen. Which Are you going to get mad at them when they leave, or are you going to be okay with that, since we all like to get mad at kids who transfer out of college football programs because that means that they're quitters, other BS nonsense, old man yelling at cloud crap. Um, so if we're going to fairly evaluate a recruiting class, you're going to have to take in transfers and things into that. And right now, seems like a pretty damn good recruiting class based off of the kids you're bringing in, the two transfers you landed. Oh, and you're keeping Tylen Wallace. So I understand that they're not signing fours and fives. They're not going to go play for a national championship. They're not LSU or Bama or Clemson or Georgia or any of them right now. You're not going to be with the athletic budget. But that is a pretty good class from, from how I look at it. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Definitely agree. That's a the the Wallace. That's a five star coming back. Sills. Mm-hmm. That's a five star. You know Clay. You don't know. It's a four star recruit. So hopefully you can develop him into you know a, a a good a good talent. But but yeah, I mean the the stars and everything. Man, I just you know oh my gosh, it's being on being on the other side of it. You know at, at baseball, you know same thing. Stars. If I told you guys how many five-star kids came to Oklahoma State that the world was so amped about that threw 97 miles an hour and hopped on the mound for the first time in the fall and threw 86 and they were at a junior college before the season was even started, like, it's unbelievable, you know? I mean, and it's, you know, football, obviously the evaluations are a little more thorough, but gosh, it I just don't think the stars – matter it's about what you need at what position and gundy does it better than anybody you know i think really with the athletic budget and everybody says gundy's such a lazy recruiter and but gundy i think is the is the best in the country at looking at a position and going this is exactly what we need this is the style of player we need this guy fits our mold you know they call it the cowboy you know culture he fits that let's get him on campus i don't I don't care if he's a two-star or a five-star or whatever. I I legitimately don't think Gundy glances at stars. I don't think he looks at any of that. I think he goes and he sends his assistants and they say, hey, this kid can play and he fits this spot and he fits the mold we want. Gundy says, sweet, let's go get him, you know? And then he signs him, oh, crap, he's a two-star, you know? I don't think he cares. And fans really shouldn't care either because everybody gets all worked up about recruiting classes and gets so excited about the five-star or the four-star kids coming in. And then when they redshirt and then this and that, people already forget about them. You know, nobody, I didn't hear anybody talk about, you know, glass all year and everybody last year at this time, he he was like the second coming, you know, it was like, Oh my gosh, this is the answer. And nobody said, Oh, well, if Chu believes in this and that, you know, 
people just forget about stuff. It's such a big deal until all of a sudden it isn't. Yeah, no, I I think that you you knew Oklahoma State was going to go and grab a transfer too with this class. Philip and I talked about that a few weeks ago when the class finally kind of came together a little bit. But to grab two guys that are going to be immediate impact and really good impact on this team and Colin Clay on the defensive line, and then Josh Sills immediately comes in and fills a need on the offensive line. This is that's these are two guys that are going to come in right away and be impact guys for Oklahoma State, which is what you needed out of this class anyways. There are some solid guys in the recruiting class this year, but there aren't many guys that are going to be immediate impact as freshmen. It's just not the way that this class is really set up. This is a developmental class, as most Oklahoma State recruiting classes are. So to grab a couple guys like that is going to be huge for this team and is really right now. Like It's it's fantastic that you're able to land those guys, especially the guy, the local kid in uh, Colin Clay, and then Josh Sills moving from West Virginia to Oklahoma State, all conference offensive linemen as well. So you know, it's not like you're grabbing some guy from some, you know, pick a college that's good but not great. Like you're grabbing a guy that's in all conference in the Big 12 that's going to immediately come in and help protect Spencer Sanders on an offensive line where you need a little bit of help. You have some guys returning, but th- this is going to be a, that's a huge spot. You're returning, you're filling in for a three year starter, so three or four year starter. So I, I think there's a lot to like about these two guys and it's really going to help round out a class. And I, I still think it's pretty solid. Yep. Okay. Trey, we can talk basketball now. Well, before we get into All that, right. I'm sorry. Before we get into basketball, I do got to get to an ad break here. We'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. All right, Trey, this is the reason why you wanted to come on. So we'll let you take the reins on, on this and we'll, we'll follow your lead. What do you, how are you feeling about Oklahoma state basketball and what, what do you want to talk about today? All right. Perfect. This is all I've been wanting to talk about. Um, what are your guys' expectations? I just want to get in the tournament. I don't care if we're a four seed. I don't care if we're a 12 seed. I don't care if we're an 11 seed playing game. I don't care. I just want, I think the tournament this year is the goal. And I think that that's, you know, a good building block that would get people excited for next year when 2020, when it's supposed to be, you know, the year. So. I'm setting my expectations at just making the tournament. I don't care what seed it is. Yeah. Now saying that, <laughs> but now saying that, as much as I love Mike Boynton and this team, you go through the schedule and you do the every fan does. Oh, we we'll probably win this one. You probably lose this one. You probably win this. Right? Everybody does that. It never works out the way you plan it, but. You, go, you sit there and go, oh, my gosh, where are the wins, right? <laughs> this conference is a beast. Where are the wins? Sure, you know, you, the thing is, if you go 9-9, nine and nine, you're in the tournament. If you go 8-10, and 10, you're on the bubble. And as, you know, Oklahoma State has fared with the NCAA in the past, we don't want to be on the bubble. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that leaves you going 9-9, nine and nine, which means – you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, that's my unfortunate feeling is that we go either 7 11 or 8 and 10 and we're on the bubble and we're on the wrong side of it. And I don't know. Just tell me what you guys think. Cause I've talked to people that are super high on this team and super low and super roller coaster. I know, I know that's how you guys feel. It's a little, little roller coaster but i just don't know if the middle of it 
is going to be good enough. Joel, you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like Oklahoma State's going to be a bubble team just going the rest of the year. Now, which side of it they end up on, that remains to be seen. I mean, this conference is such a brutal schedule, no matter how it falls for you, whether it's front-loaded, back-loaded, whatever, because this like the problem with the Big 12 is that it's really good, but everyone just ends up cannibalizing itself because there are so many solid teams and they really just kind of knock down where they're going to be. One team, one or two teams may separate themselves, but for the most part, I mean, it's a very evenly distributed conference and a really good one. I think having Isaac likely back when Oklahoma state did by getting him back for that Southeast Louisiana game. Now you beat them by 50, whatever, but to actually get him minutes and to play a game after being sick for a month to come back, I think that's going to be, a huge development for this team. And not only that, as much as it sucked having Isaac likely out and you'll lose a couple of those games that you probably shouldn't have, you at least got some freshman experience and guys that probably weren't going to play a ton if Isaac likely was in now have those minutes like Avery Anderson, uh, Chris Harris Jr. Now even D Mitchell is starting to get into the rotation as well. So you saw young guys start to develop a little bit and kind of get used to the speed of the game going into conference play. You get Isaac likely back now at a hundred percent. Now it's just for the rest of the team to kind of kick it into gear because you see how impactful Isaac likely is on this team. The rest of these guys really need to follow suit. I'm trying to remember who tweeted it out. And I think it was for Shilla. And the point was this. Oklahoma State with Isaac likely is a top 25 team. Oklahoma State, that was his tweet. My response to that is Oklahoma State without Isaac likely is not even an NIT team. And that's how important he is and what he does for this offense. And it's primarily because you have other shooting guards and you have other power forwards and you you kind of have some backup center, but you can go small ball. But you don't have someone who can replicate what likely does on for this team. That's how important he is. As long as likely stays healthy, this is a tournament team. I That's what I think, period. Um, your, your net ranking is 33rd right now. That's pretty solid. That's around where you want to be heading into big 12 play. And the argument of man, the big 12 is a gauntlet. It's tough. It is. But the benefit of the big 12 is that because it is that fewer opportunities for bad losses, more opportunities for good and quality wins. That's true. And the Big 12 gets a ton of – look, the Big 12 is always considered one of the two best conferences top to bottom in college basketball. And they get – that reputation sticks and stands, and that carries weight come Selection Sunday. Conference schedule that kept them out two years ago is not a problem this year. Even though they lost three games that were really important, you really wanted to see them get those wins over like a Minnesota or a Georgetown or a Wichita State, but they didn't. Yet their net ranking is still 33rd. Okay. They still have wins. They still have net one or, or quad one wins. They still have quad two wins. Even ORU is a quad three now. Like it's the non-conference schedule is good enough. Barring those teams don't just, and I think Minnesota's gonna fall off the map because I don't think they're that good, but whatever. You are now in a position where as long as you can finish, I don't it's not so much about record, but as long as you finish in the top six of the big twelve, you're gonna get in. Can anyone think the last time fewer than six teams got in from the tournament from the Big 12? Because I can't. I can't either. Off top seven. Of my head. No, it's usually, yeah, seven. It's usually seven. Seven is a Maybe stretch. eight. 
Eight is a eight's happened a couple times, but even it's a push. Seven usually, six yes. Now that may be two teams or ten and eleven seeds, but you're still getting in. Oklahoma State has to be one of the six best teams in the conference, and they're pretty much guaranteed to get in. So let's run through the conference real quick because I think that's important. Um, West Virginia is legit. Baylor is yeah. really good. I know Texas Tech's been up and down, but Chris Beard knows how to coach. And Kansas is Kansas. That's four. Those four teams are going. Now the other ones you got to deal with Texas, who is I mean it's shocking smart in Texas. I don't care that they're ten and two. Like this is what they do. Um, Oklahoma is nine and three, but they haven't really played anybody. TCU is nine and three, but I really don't trust them for squat. Iowa State seven and five, and they're going to beat some teams and lose to a lot of teams. And Kansas State sucks. Yeah, Kansas State's a oh my gosh, they're so bad. If I you watched look them play Mississippi State, State, and I was oh, like, yeah. oh my goodness. So take K State, TCU, and and Iowa State. That's six games. They should go four and two in that at yep. least. And I'm being generous because you're going to lose a game or two. You should. You have to. Okay. You have to road. go four and two. <clears throat> at Iowa State's tough. Um, you're going to drop a game at a TCU or at a, and they they can't win at Kansas State to save their lives. So I could see them blowing no. two games in those. So that's four and two there. Okay. Um, split with Oklahoma because they can't ever sweep OU. Um, split with Texas because it's Texas. So now you're at what six and four. Yeah. This is what I did earlier today, and this is what <laughs> this is what I did earlier today, and this is what made me so sad. All right. So before I ran through the schedule, I wrote down my predictions for the Big Twelve year, and I have us ahead of Texas Tech finishing fourth, which I think could happen. I think that could happen. Then I go through the schedule. Man, we don't match up with KU worth anything this year there i mean as a bookie i mean george Ane is an absolute freak of nature in the paint he's he's he, he protects it he's very good but as a bookie it's going to push him into the front row of the student section i mean there's nothing there's nothing he's going to be able to do down there with with him and so i think you know you lose two to ku baylor we don't beat baylor when baylor's bad you know i mean i think we had the one the wins in waco more recently, but you know, I think that's to West Virginia. We we've matched up better with West Virginia in the past, but this year they're a okay. We're just going to sit and play half court defense, and we have absolute monsters in the paint, which we don't match up with well there. So that puts you in a position where you have to win in Manhattan, you have to win in Ames, you have to win in Fort Worth. If you lose any of those three, puts you in a tough spot. Now we could win all three of those, but I'm looking at them like. I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to win in Ames. I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to win in Manhattan. And that's what scares me. This team, in my mind, could finish anywhere from fourth to eighth in the Big 12, and I wouldn't be surprised either way. How many times – look, it's hard to, to, to figure this out because two years ago, that team had no business sweeping Kansas, and they've they've beaten West Virginia on the road two years in a row. Oklahoma State is good enough to get wins, a win here and there against Texas Tech, and a win against a West Virginia, and a win against Kansas. They don't match well against Baylor because they just never match well roster-wise. They might not beat Kansas at all. But I just don't – Boynton is so good in games and so good out of out of timeouts and so good at, at, at drawing up plays. Like, they're well-coached. Likely is good. And when likely and NA are are clicking, this team's really, really good. 
I just I know it's hard to sit here and be like I don't like being like oh they're gonna uh, they're gonna get a win against Kansas I have a hard time picking that too uh, they're gonna get a win against Baylor they've beaten Baylor last week year's one win over Baylor was like the first one they had in like five years they don't beat Baylor I get it I absolutely do but if you want me to pick eight wins. I can say eight wins. I can't tell you what they're going to be. And that's the hard part. When you go to the schedule, you're like, oh, well, they're going to, they could lose this. And it, just look at the conference and look at the team and go, can I, Oklahoma State, go eight and 10? Can this team go eight and 10? I think this team can go eight and 10. Yeah. Can I sit here and say, yeah. guarantee you, it's it's this, they're going to, one of these is Kansas and one's No, because every time you do that, that's what gets it hard. And people want you to give that. I'm like, I can't get that. I can't guarantee you which games, because if they're going to win games, I can't decide. And they're going to lose games. They have no business losing. But can I say that this team can go eight and ten in conference play, get the win on the road at a really shitty Texas A&M squad? Can't lose that game. That they're like 119th yep. in net ranking. You can't lose that game. So you get that. You're going to go ten and three in conference, eight and ten, or you're going to go ten and three in non-conference, eight and ten in conference play. So you're 18 and 13, and snag a win in the Big 12 tournament. If that yeah. gets you to the sixth seed, I mean, I know it's we the the get to twenty wins and you're in thing, but that didn't work two years ago. I just I think they're in a good spot. I think that we are a bit jaded because they went one and three through a four game stretch where we should have gone to win, but at least but they did it without likely, like yep, and that's the did. thing. It's it's we've seen one game with likely. It's been it feels like forever since the Syracuse and Ole Miss games. And I get it. I don't like reading too much into Ole Miss game because Ole Miss couldn't hit a three to save their – like they couldn't hit water from a boat when it came from the outside. And that's not going to happen on a regular basis. But I just – I look at it and go, do I think this team, when healthy, can win eight games? Yeah, I think they can do that. I think this team can win eight games in Big 12 play. And I think the eight and ten is enough to get you to sixth place. And I think that's enough. Their net ranking will be high enough to get them in as an at-large. It may be an eleven seed play-in game. We may be that team. We may be going to Dayton to face. That's fine. Give it to USC. Me. I'll take but you know, okay, we're in the tournament. Yeah. And at this we'll point, take- I just want to be in the tournament this year because I think it's important for next year's success for likely and an A, and these freshmen to play a tournament game. I'd rather them play a real one, not a Dayton one. I need They need to play a tournament game. They need to know what that experience is like for when next year's loaded class comes in. I think they really need that if you're going to have the success they need to have next year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. What do you think, Joel? I think the bottom line is I think this team can win eight games. I think they can win nine. It it's so weird trying to pick big 12 games because it feels like every game, no matter how highly favored a team is in a game, it just feels like a coin flip. Uh, I think Oklahoma state's going to as awful and shitty analysis. as This is going to be, they're going to lose games. They shouldn't. And they're going to win games. They shouldn't. Like, I don't know. I can't tell you what games those are going to be because it can be so chaotic in the big 12, but I think eight, nine wins is completely feasible for Oklahoma State. I think that gets them in the tournament, especially if they win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament. I think they're an eight, you know, at best, maybe an eight or nine seed. I think at worst, they're 11 or a 12. But I think it, at the end of the day, I think they're going to have enough quality wins and enough quality losses to get into the NCAA tournament. 
So two years ago when they didn't get in, do you know what their conference record was? Was it eight and ten? It was eight and ten. Mind you, they got swept by TCU. They got swept by Kansas State. Like they got swept by not good teams. Like I know they swept Kansas, which was still the funniest thing to ever happen in the world. Like I think, man, looking at that non-conference schedule, it really was bad. Good grief, yeah. it was bad. Ugh. Ugh. Look, I eight and ten. I think gets them at worst sixth, seventh place, like a tie for seventh. I think they get in. I just, I do. I think that. I think the four teams at the top are really good. And I think Oklahoma, I think, I, I say four at the top. I think Texas Tech is good. I think Baylor is good. West Virginia is good. Kansas is good. After that, I think Texas and Oklahoma State are pretty good. I think Oklahoma has been okay. I think their non-conference schedule, I think their record of 9-3 is built up on some meh. And if OSU had had likely through that four-game stretch, I think they would have come out of it at least two and two, if not like if let's put it if likely played against Georgetown, OSU wins that game. Definitely. If likely played against Minnesota, I don't think that game was a blowout. Like I, I think that team was, I think the time in that game was weird. I think that team was just exhausted. I think the not having likely was starting to wear on them. I don't. I. I think they go two and two. I think they lost to Wichita State. I think they probably maybe they lost to Houston instead of winning, and I would have flip flopped that with the Minnesota game. But I I don't think I think they're in a better spot without them. But you have to remember their three they've all their losses have come without their starting point guard. I don't know, but eight and ten feels really really doable. Yeah, I think we find out a lot about this conference. I cannot wait for Saturday. I can't wait to sit in front of the TV Saturday. And just, you know, oh, Big 12 basketball on the television all day. Nothing nothing beats that. I mean, I know a lot of people are more football junkies, but West Virginia, Kansas in Lawrence at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then Texas at Baylor, you know, you find out is Baylor, you know, really legit? Is Texas better than what they showed at Providence where they looked horrible? And then we go to Texas Tech and, you know, I I wrote down – you know, I don't know if you, either of you guys have watched uh, any of Texas Tech this year, but I wrote down some notes for the game Saturday that if you guys haven't watched, then I can run through them in like two minutes. If you want to talk about it, then we can talk about it. Hit it. Let's do right. it. All right. So Texas Tech, I've got, they are incredibly small, which works incredibly well for us. So that's great. We match up great with Texas Tech. Their leading rebounder is six foot six. So that's nice. He, but he, he does rebound the ball well. 8.8 eight, 8 rebounds a game. So that's nice. But, uh, you know, all their scoring comes from their guards, which, you know, we have great guards. Um, I, I, I think we match up better with Texas Tech than any of the other elite teams in the conference. And um, they've got the freshman, uh, was it, Ramsey, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, stupid efficient. I mean, he, he literally looks like he's in the NBA already. But he's their best player. And what does Mike Boyd do to best players? They don't show up. Like, I mean, he's literally going to get schemed to death the entire day. And he's a freshman. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Who's the backup point? Who's the the backup guard off the bench who's going to go off for 30, though? Okay, I've got this, too. Okay. He's not the backup guard off the bench, right? (laughs) Oh, 
the guy that averages four points a game that goes off for yes. 28. Yes, but we have an uh, alert, alert, alert. We have a volume shooter that shoots 26% from three, and he is going to hit 80% from three against us and drop 30. And that is uh, that our buddy uh, Edwards. So him and uh, Moretti are probably going to make us pull our hair out because they're just going to be launching threes. Um, Can we just say yeah. it's whoever Dizzy's guarding? I, I hate being – I love Dizzy, but it's just whoever Dizzy's guarding. I know. And, and I was looking at the defensive, defensive like efficiency stats. He leads the team. He has the best percentage. What? <laughs> he's our, he's, he's what? actually our best and most efficient defender. Bull. On adjusted defensive efficiency, yeah. Bull. He's like a he's Bullshit. like a ninety. He's like a ninety-four point two percent rating. I don't. I don't. Un- I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe you. Yeah. I think uh, that's. <laughs> These are alternative facts. <laughs> you know, I think that the Texas Tech game. I've got us splitting with Texas Tech. I've got you know we could win one there and they could win one here. Doesn't really matter. I think we're gonna split with them. Our, like keys to the game for Saturday, we have an advantage inside, and as good as Yor is, I think Yor is probably a second team All Big Twelve guy, probably an honorable mention guy somewhere in that range. You know, overall, could be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. But saying that, we there's not a lot of teams in the conference where we have a legitimate size advantage in the paint, and this is one of them. Yor has to stay out of foul trouble. If he gets into foul trouble. We lose our size advantage. And what's so great about Yor is he's a size advantage and he can run like a guard. So we're not having the we're not lugging some 260-pound dude up and down the floor. He's flying down the floor. But if he gets in foul trouble, then we play right into their game of playing small. And I think they probably are gonna play small better than we play small. But I've got, you know, Yor has to stay out of foul trouble. And then uh we we have to rebound. We have to, Cam has to rebound. I think that is where likely being gone hurt the worst. Was mm-hmm. we we lot we we took out a rebounding threat and we replaced them with a non-rebounding threat, and that just it crushed us. The, the, I think that is what hurt us so bad in those Georgetown Wichita State games. Was we were looking around going like, oh crap, who's getting these who's getting these rebounds? Those long like the long bounce rebounds off the rim, nobody's there. And likely is always there. So that's what I'm thinking for Texas Tech. I think, you know, if your stays out of foul trouble, if we hit some shots, but if we have to go small and we have to run up and down with them and that Edwards dude that shoots, you know, 1% from three hits like nine threes like he's going to, then I think we could be in for a long day. But my heart says we shut down Ramsey, their NBA guy. We your stays out of foul trouble. We out rebound them, and I think we win Saturday pretty convincingly. I think it looks good, and then we absolutely lay an egg on Monday night. <laughs> I can see that. I I can absolutely see that. Fun fun stat. Speaking of rebounding, Oklahoma State is currently undefeated this season when they have at least one double digit rebounder. Well, let's do it. Stick somebody down there and don't let them move till they get 10 rebounds, and then we win. Perfect. Yep, it's happened four times. They're undefeated. That includes the game at Houston and the game at Charleston. And guess who the leading rebounder was both times? Cam McGriff. Cam, stop shooting threes and get your ass inside, McGriff. (laughs) 
Oh, Cam is one of my all-time favorite Oklahoma State basketball players, but also mm-hmm. one of my all-time most frustrating Oklahoma State basketball players because you just see it, man. You see flashes of, oh, man, if he just tap into that 24-7, he's a, he's – He's a key he's a key piece, but then you see games where man, he just disappears. He's just not there. Which which sucks to see, but what do you guys think for Saturday? Do we have a shot in Lubbock? Yeah, I mean, do we have a shot in Lubbock? Of course we do. Like I'm not gonna say they're not gonna win. Um let's do a little let's do a little diving. Let's look a little something. Um so they took Texas Tech to overtime last year in Lubbock. Um, when was yeah, the last that was time? the game where Lindy went. That was the game where Lindy went nuclear in the final minute. Yep. See, when's the last time they won a Big Twelve opener? We could do this joke with both basketball and football. football. And basketball. Good we won. I know Travis Ford's. Oh man. I don't know. Well, we, I'm we, still we, going. We Hold say. on. Okay. The last time we won our Big 12 opener, we beat TCU at home in 2016. Yikes. And then we lost four in a row. <laughs> Yikes. Um, that's, the, that's the 12 and 20 season, by the way, just in case you uh, to know. Uh, so maybe, don't, maybe don't win the first one. Maybe take so, the first game off. That's okay. Well, the, the problem for OSU is the, the schedule, man, how your schedule stacks up really matters. And it's not generous. So you go to Texas Tech, okay? You get West Virginia at home, yikes. You go to TCU. So it's not even like you get a TCU at home to get a nice like guaranteed win. You've got to go there. Though I do think likely can shut down Desmond Bain. And if you shut down Desmond Bain, you shut down TCU. Um, yeah. You get Texas at home on a Wednesday night, which means there won't be any fans there because we don't do well on weekdays. And mm, we're going to win by two. Uh, then they get Baylor at home, which, good grief, it's a Saturday. Fill that place to the brim. Yeah, Please. Saturday, 11 a.m. Then you go to Iowa State on a Tuesday. It's so hard to win in Ames even when Iowa State's not good. Like, ugh. And then you go to AM and then you get Kansas. <sighs> Man, I think if they could start conference play 3-3, three and three, with at Tech, West Virginia, at TCU, Texas, Baylor, at Iowa State, if they could start three and three, I think two and four is more likely looking at that lineup. But if they could start three and three, that would be a huge, huge win right there. A three yeah. and three start would be exactly what you want out of that stretch when you're playing three of the best teams in the conference and you get two of them at home. Like, I just, mm, mm. Yeah, West Virginia is an absolute nightmare. Just an absolute, they're absolute nightmare fuel for me right now. Like, I, I did not expect them to be as good as they are, like same. even close to it. And they've just, they've gotten better and better and better each week. Like they're just figuring it out. That freshman, what's his name? Uh, Oscar Shubway. I don't yeah. know, it's like to shoot boy or whatever. Shubway. He's a, Unbelievable. Like, where does Bob Huggins find these just massive tanks and bring them in? So I, I looked at this today. So Oscar Shubway and Derek Culver, they're combined, which is, you know, who's going to get thrown at URNA? Mm-hmm. They're combined 513 pounds between the two of them. That's an, they're, you're playing against offensive linemen. 
and they're athletic. And uh, I, I saw like it's like West Virginia is sixth in the country in rebounding, and they are seventh in the country in opponent field goal percentage. Yikes! We have trouble making shots, and we can't. We have trouble rebounding. Oh, great! The two things that they are the best at. <laughs> awesome. So they they scare me, but hey, Mike Boynton has some has figured out Morgantown. So I mean, maybe just chalk that one up as a W. Who cares if we met if we don't match up well? Yeah, that's that's the only thing is like, can we just keep winning there all the time like we normally do? That would be great. It's so weird trying to predict basketball with how chaotic this season has been throughout college basketball. Like, who really knows what's going to happen? Gonzaga won't lose again. Well, we can at least chalk that one up because their conference is awful. They were losing to Portland at halftime today. (gasps) What? Yeah, but that— Oregon lost to— while we've been recording, Oregon lost to Colorado. Colorado's not bad. No, they're not. Like, that's not. That's not. Oh, uh, man. Brad Underwood got boat race today. Darn. You hate to see it. <laughs> Dang, you hate to see it. You just, you thought for sure it would work out for him up there in Illinois. <laughs> oh, man. But you know what? I, Go ahead. They're, hey, they're nine and five. You know, they're, there's. Hmm. They beat Michigan. Illinois basketball is the Tennessee football of college basketball. <laughs> like, oh, we're elite. We're so. When were you elite? You were. Well, I mean, you had what? Five that, minutes. Five minutes. They were elite, and now, man, we're back. We're back. This is going to be the year. That's all I saw this whole off season. Illinois basketball. You know, you got you got buddies in the minor leagues from everywhere. You know, Big Ten, SEC. Oh, Illinois basketball. We're back. Oh no, no you're not. No you're not. I need an OSU Illinois 11 seed play in game like I need oxygen. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so great until we lose in Heartbreak City for everybody and he's like nah, smirking on the other sideline. Like ah, we're going to go lose the next round and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, but you know what? I think that I think that this is, you know, Mike Boynton's the coach. That's going to, that's, I think he's the truth. I think that, you know, in my, when I looked at the schedule and I decided that we were going to go, you know, eight and 10, I looked at it with my, you know, Travis Ford coaching glasses on. I didn't look at it with my Mike Boynton coaching glasses on. And I should have. When I made my predictions for Big 12, I looked at it with that. I have us finishing fourth, so I have faith. So, because I know Mike is an avid listener of the podcast, <laughs> I don't want him upset at me. I don't want him to unfollow me on Twitter. So, an avid listener. That's you're funny. Fin- you're finishing fourth in the conference, and you're going to be a six seed in the tournament, and we're going to play some eleven seed that was ranked in the top ten two weeks ago before they lost three in a row and they got their healthy player back. <laughs> Oh, uh, don't go there. Don't know. <laughs> oh, two God, two teams rough. I need to beat so desperately. Oregon, well, actually three. Oregon and Gonzaga in basketball because we can't. We are we have never beaten Gonzaga in basketball. I don't even want to. I don't even talk about it. And I, I was at the game in 2005 when Adam Morrison banked in that bullshit three. In Seattle, I was at that game. I have I have hated Gonzaga since that day. 
and Ole Miss in football. Like, is there a team <laughs> that I just can't stand having a losing record to more than Ole Miss? Maybe Houston, but Ole Miss. Like, Ole Miss, come on. Like, no one deserves that. <laughs> like, Baylor doesn't although the deserve way, that. Although the, no, no, <laughs> Baylor doesn't deserve <laughs> I love when I'm not on my Big 12 show and I can just slander whoever I want. (laughs) There we go. All right, do you guys have any final thoughts here? Uh, No, I think I pissed off enough people today. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. Uh, Final thoughts for Monday night. If we have aggressive beast mode cam, we might win. There's a shot. I hate the matchup. I would never put money on us to win that game. But if aggressive beast mode cam shows up, we win. If passive cam shows up, we lose by 20. So it's so let's it, hope just go be like, why it's uh, I, I agree with you on love cam McGriff. He's just so frustrating because he won't go beast mode when he should be able to just go in and bully so many guys. And when he does, the team is so good. And when he won't, it's like, what are you doing? Like, mm, mm. I want to sit. I want to sit him in a room before he runs out of the tunnel, and just have him watch just an absolute M one mixtape of himself dunking on everybody and grabbing insane rebounds. And in no area of the mixtape will there be three pointers. <laughs> All <laughs> Not- dunking on people and rebounding and fifteen foot jump shots from the from the corner. And give me that. Give me that all day. That's my Cam McGriff. That's what I want. That that Cam McGriff gets us two and zero going into the next, going into the uh, the second week of the Big Twelve. And if you're two and zero going into the second week of the Big Twelve, I'm gonna think we're gonna win the conference. You're not gonna be able to talk me off the ledge. <laughs> if they are two and zero with wins at Texas Tech and over West Virginia, <sighs> Final Four, here we come. Yep. <laughs> I'm buying tickets. I'm, I'm I'm actually gonna retire from baseball so that I can have time to go to the final four <laughs> if that happens. <laughs> Screw this baseball career I've been working at for years. We're going to the final four. Yeah, Mike Boynton needs me. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, if anyone needs a dig me sesh right now, like that camera griff needs a dig me sesh before the next game, that's for sure. God, just just it's Seeing guys that you know should play one way and are great at it go, I really think I should be showing off my range for the NBA. Like, stop it. You know what they're going to watch when they watch your tape? There's games you're like, let me come out here and take a three and be lazy. And you're like, "Mm, we're not drafting that guy. Play bully ball for like eight games in a row and and you can take one game off, okay? Also, I... I my final thought is I just pulled up Twitter and someone photoshopped Pistol Pete onto a Mountie outfit. Oh, bravo. That's good. Uh, it was, uh, Amen it was to Mike that. Harris. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm retweeting it. That, that's good stuff. All right. Let's get out of here, everyone. Uh, Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke. You can follow my show, the 1012 Podcast, T E N, the 12, the word podcast. We're going to rehash the Bulls for the Big 12. Not that that was a fun experience. Woohoo, one in five. But yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. Trey, what about you? I'm at Cobber underscore 22. And you can follow me if you want to be spammed by Oklahoma State basketball retweets. 
and uh, maybe some frustrating gifts along the way. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And we will be back after the game on Saturday to talk about uh, Texas Tech. And hopefully some we'll have some more clarity on football news. There's a lot to talk about with Oklahoma State, and we'll talk to you all then.